This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Darwin Zook. Thanks for tuning in to MLB Extras podcast, Royals edition. Pleased to be joined by KC reporter Jeffrey Flanagan. Jeffrey, we appreciate the time. As always, my friend, let's get right to it. It's hot stove season. World Series is over. Teams making moves, including the Royals, of course, and they made a move right away in the last couple of days, inking Willie Peralta to a one-year deal. 14 for 14 and save opportunities since taking over the closer role midseason last year. Was this kind of a no-brainer for the Royals and Peralta to um, come back together for another year? Yeah, I really, I really believe that um, they, they really didn't have a, a closer once they traded Kelvin Herrera in June, and he was a guy uh, they signed last year uh, uh, from the Brewers, and uh, it, it, it toyed with the idea of, of him possibly being a starter. But I always felt like uh, the Royals are so good at, at transitioning uh, failed starters, if you if you will. Uh, into great closers like like Wade Davis and, and uh, Luke Hochever and, and much of other guys. And I thought he was a great candidate because he could throw in the, the mid to upper 90s. And uh, once he got the closers role, as you mentioned, he was 14 out of 14. Uh, really an easy decision, I think, because the, the team option they had on him for 2019 was just $3 million. And as you know, that that's pretty cheap in today's game. And um, as they as they also transition through this rebuild, um, they're certainly going to probably find uh, a, a closer candidate in their own system. But until then, uh, you've got a guy who's a, a great clubhouse guy um, who can get the job done, uh, uh, can can you know really throw some nasty sliders and nasty fastballs, and uh, made made a pretty good decision. Uh, they did restructure the deal a little bit. Uh, um, he was due three million as a team option. Um, he'll get uh, basically 3.25 guaranteed, uh, 2.25 base um, with a $7 million option, mutual option uh, into 2020 uh, with a $1 million buyout. So uh, he's got some incentives too. If he finishes, uh, I found out if uh, through a source, if he finishes 55 games this year, he'll get an extra million dollars. So good deal for both uh, both sides. Absolutely. And certainly, like you said, a stopgap for potentially – and a younger player from the organization to come up and assume the closer role eventually. Uh, a couple guys that the Royals did decline options are kind of expected. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Pitcher Jason Hamill and shortstop Alcides Escobar. Does that kind of clear the way on the ladder there with Escobar for Alberto Mondesi at 23 years old to take over full time at shortstop? No, absolutely. We saw that in the last uh, six weeks of the season. And, you know, Eske did a great job mentoring uh, Mondesi uh, over this past season. And uh, Eske did not have a mutual option. So it was just basically a, a flat one-year deal. And uh, we knew that, uh, you know, he would, he would become a free agent this week. And uh, Mon- look, Mondesi's the future. Um, he's one of the most exciting players, really, in, in maybe in all of baseball, uh, a, a 
a rare five-tool guy, uh, tremendous arm, tremendous range, tremendous power, um, and a switch hitter. Uh, he's probably going to uh, – I'd be stunned if he if he plays a full season, if he doesn't win the stolen base title next year. Um, he, he's still over 30 bases in less than uh, six weeks. So, I mean, he, he's a guy who could probably – steal 60 to 70 bases um he's that talented so yeah he's he's definitely the shortstop going forward and uh not sure what's going to happen with esky um he he made a great contribution here um uh, was certainly a key figure in them getting to two straight world series uh, and winning one uh 2014 alcs mvp uh certainly much appreciated for his efforts here um do they bring him back as a, as a utility guy who knows uh but Monesi is definitely the, the shortstop going forward. Yeah, such a fun player to watch, no question about it. Taking over full time now at short. Uh, a couple other players that are definitely enjoyable to tune into: um, the Gold Glove finalists Salvador Perez and Alex Gordon. Those Gold Glove finalists being or the winners being announced uh, coming up November fourth. Those guys have a, a chance to take home uh, some hardware. Yeah, and it, it, obviously not the first time for either one. But I, I really thought that. Uh, Alex Gordon, um, he didn't get it last year, but uh, I, I thought he had one of his best defensive years uh, of his career. I mean, he was just absolutely outstanding. And Salvi, too, uh, who, who, who lost out to Maldonado uh, last year, I, I thought he bounced back, and uh, I, I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't get it here uh, in, in 2018 because he just had a terrific defensive year. And um, you know, the Royals, uh, perhaps more than some other teams, and, and I'm not trying to make judgments, but they've always been defensive oriented. It's, it's partly based on the, on the ballpark they play in, but also Dayton Moore and his staff really believe in, in that side of the game. So um, they'll be very proud to get two more gold, gold gloves. Talking with Jeffrey Flanagan, Royals reporter. And Jeffrey, uh, Japan exhibition coming up in next week, November 9th to 15th. And you got a pitcher, Scott Barlow and Whit Merrifield, an infielder going over to Japan to participate in this exhibition. I believe it's seven games. You can watch some of those on MLB Network. Uh, good opportunity, right, for Barlow and Merrifield going over to play against some Japanese all-stars as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're really intrigued by Scott Barlow. I mean, he's he's a guy um, who, who, you know, isn't on everyone's radar right now, but he's got electric stuff at times, and um, he, he could definitely be a part of the future in the rotation or the bullpen uh, going forward. And obviously we all know about Whit Merrifield. Look, he, he, he led the major leagues in hits and stolen bases. So, um, you know, he, he, we've written about him a million times. He's an, an incredible success story. Um, he's going on 30 years old now, but uh, he's a super utility guy, can play any position basically uh, in the field, but I, I think he'll end up settling at second base and um, had another terrific year uh, as, as a full-time second baseman basically, and uh, good opportunity for him. I know he's excited about it. He's, he's, he's thrilled to be able to go out there and do that, and um, he's a big part of this future too. And as we take a step back, Jeffrey, kind of look at a big picture thing in terms of GM date and more. Does he have the flexibility here in the offseason to make some moves maybe outside the organization? Or is a lot of the process of this offseason going to be about developing talent within the organization? Just kind of a general question about direction of the Royals here as we move forward in the 2018 offseason. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a very active offseason, to be honest. Um, you know, last year was was kind of the first year of the rebuild, but it was kind of a weird transition first year. Uh, they, they signed a bunch of veterans uh, in spring training on one-year deals, you know, mainly to, to with the opportunity to flip them and maybe get, you know, some more prospects in the organization. But uh, this offseason, uh, now they're officially full rebuild. So um, they're going to be trim payroll for sure. Um, you know, and some of that's just by attrition because you mentioned guys like Jason Hamill and Eski. Those, those guys will come off the payroll. Um, and, and just going forward, they, they've got to get that payroll down and then they'll kind of stock it and, and when they get good again, which may be a year or a year and a half, uh, then I can see them going active again in the, in the free agent market. Um, I do think, though, uh, to be fair, I think they will try to, to find some cost-efficient bullpen help. And look, every team is trying to do that, right? So, but I, I think you know, Dayton Moore and his staff have proven over the years that they're very, very good at that. You know, they, they've come up with the Ryan Madsons and the, and the Joe Blantons in the past and, and, and got effective years out of them. And I think that's the direction they're going to go uh, this offseason and, and just, you know, sure up that bullpen. I don't think you're going to see a lot of big deals in terms of position players or starting pitchers. Um, they've got enough depth there and they, and they want to develop. But um, the bullpen right now was a big issue last year. And, and I think that will be their focus this offseason. Yeah, no question, Jeffrey. And a person who was um, very important in terms of the development of young pitchers with the Royals has passed away. Senior pitching yeah. advisor Bill Fisher, age of 88. I was really sad when I read about this because I, I grew up in the in the 80s and Bill Fisher was a pitching coach with the Red Sox back then when that World Series team, 1986. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about Bill Fisher and his role over the years and um, – what an integral role he had in baseball over the last couple decades. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who has been in baseball for 71 years. And, yeah, and, and Dayton brought him in in 2007. He first met him in 1994 uh, in the Atlanta organization. And, look, everybody in baseball knows Fish. I mean, you, you saw all the tributes on Twitter uh, yesterday, you know, from Roger T Clemens on. I mean, uh, it, he, he had such an impact on so many people. Um, he was such a terrific guy. And what I always remember about Fish was he was a guy who was just completely honest, just bluntly honest. If you didn't want to hear the truth, don't ask him because sometimes you, you didn't want to hear the answer. Um, he was that kind of guy. And, you know, he, he was a terrific pitcher at his time, too. Uh, amazingly, to this day, he still holds the major league record for most consecutive innings. Uh, without a walk, which is, uh, I think, 84 to third inning. Um, he, and, and that's what he emphasizes as a pitching coach, uh, as an advisor, um, and just a terrific, terrific guy. And look, yesterday I, I talked to so many people in the Royals organization and, and other people around baseball. It was a sad, sad day um, uh, to lose someone like that who had such an impact uh, on so many people. Um, and even at 88 or 85, or you know, he, he, he would – he could connect with younger players and so many young players on the Royals reached out on Twitter too and, and, and gave him a tribute. So yeah, the, the, the baseball world is mourning his loss. Yeah. Jeffrey, thanks for sharing those memories with us. And uh, he certainly will be remembered not only in the Royals organization, but you, like you said, all of baseball as well, Jeffrey, we appreciate the time as always, my friend, and I know we'll be talking to you quite a bit during the off season. Thank you. 
All right, thanks, Darwin. Absolutely. Jeffrey Flanagan joining us on MLB Extras.